This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. James chapter 3 is where we find ourselves uh, tonight. We're going to start in verse number verse number 13. I mean, entitled tonight's message, What Does Your Life Say About Wisdom? James chapter 3, starting in verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. That word conversation means a lifestyle or life. Let him show out of a good lifestyle his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is pure and peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We're really going to focus on verse number 13 uh, tonight where it tells us that if there's a wise man among you, his lifestyle will reflect that. Uh, Trey and I were having a conversation this past week about uh, a man that both of us knew together, and we, uh, we agreed that this person was an incredibly intelligent person, but they struggled in the wisdom department. You might look at that and you say, how can somebody be really smart but not uh, incredibly wise? Because those two things are not always necessarily uh, synonymous. They don't always go together. We'll take a look at how they fit together tonight. First of all, wisdom is evidenced in a lifestyle that lives in submission to God's word. So wisdom first is your determination to live in submission to the word of God. If you choose to live a life in rebellion to God's word, you will not be wise. Uh, That's for sure. And so wisdom is evidenced by living a life in accordance with the Word of God. And so I think we're trying to figure out what our slide situation is right now, uh, but there should be a slide for that. So if, you want, if you're taking notes tonight, write that down. Now when it comes to, to wisdom, the Bible basically breaks up wisdom or a lack of wisdom into four different categories in the book of Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs lists four types of people and how they react to wisdom determines what category this particular person falls under. First of all, the first type of person that the book of Proverbs speaks about is the foolish man. The foolish man does not listen to wisdom, does not adhere to wisdom in any way, uh, basically goes and does his own thing, goes his own direction, and has no uh, really desire for the things of God or for the things of wisdom. The second category of the person is the simple person. Simple person, it's just a lack of, of knowledge. It's complete ignorance on their part. They don't necessarily know any better. And so there's the, the foolish man, there's the wise, I'm sorry, the, uh, the foolish man, the simple man, and there's the scorner. This person wants nothing whatsoever to do with wisdom on any level whatsoever. This person throws off wisdom, hates wisdom, mocks wisdom, makes fun of wisdom. When it comes to these four categories, the scorner is the most dangerous person. Because this is a person who has no respect whatsoever for any sort of wisdom and mocks those who would follow after wisdom. And then there is the wise man. Now, all these, these four different categories, whether it be the foolish, the simple, the scorner, or the wise, get their determination based on their relationship with knowledge and wisdom. 
So for example, if we were to take, for example, the stove is hot. That is a fact. Now, a fool would say, for the stove is hot, the stove is hot, let me touch it. You would say, well, that's not very smart. That's what a fool would do. I know the stove is hot, but I choose to touch it anyways, just to see what it feels like. The simple man would say, the stove is hot. What does hot even mean? What will it do to me? I'm not sure. Let me give that a shot because I've never heard of hotness before or what it would do in relation to me. The scorner would say, yeah, the stove is hot. You can touch it if you want to and don't let anybody tell you otherwise, is what the scorner would say. The wise would say, the stove is hot. We'll get hurt if we touch it, so we shouldn't touch it. But the wise also goes one step further and says, hey, if the stove is hot, we should also warn other people that the stove is hot so that they don't get burned themselves. That's kind of a, a simple illustration on those four different categories there. And if there's a category that you and I want to be in, it's the category of the wise. And so we want to make sure that our life shows wisdom. And so wisdom is exhibited by righteous living. Wisdom is exhibited by righteous living. So I show that I'm a wise person by living a righteous life, a life that's right according to the Bible. You cannot live in opposition to the Word of God and be wise. The two just don't go together. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse number 9 says, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent, Proverbs 15, 5 says. And so when it comes down to wisdom, Wisdom is evidenced, according to, to verse number 13 that we see here, by someone who lives a righteous life. But foolishness is exposed by one who knew, knows the faith but chooses to live otherwise. Foolishness is exposed by someone who knows the truth but chooses to live otherwise. That's really important because the Bible tells us to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So not only is foolishness just a bad life choice, but foolishness is also sin according to the Bible. And so when you and I decide, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do otherwise, you have proclaimed yourself to be a fool. And I can help you one step further. Anytime you utter the phrase, I know what the Bible says, but you have automatically announced the fact that you are a fool. Now, we can say whatever we want to be, and we do sometimes. We say, well, I know what the Bible says, but my situation's different. I know what the Bible says, but that didn't really apply to this particular situation. Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but I really want to do what I want to do. I know what the Bible says, but I just deserve to be happy. I know what the Bible says, but everybody else is doing it too. And we begin to make excuses for foolishness. See, you cannot live in opposition to the Bible and be considered wise. And if you want to know further what the Bible says about wisdom and foolishness and uh, simple and scorners, read the book of Proverbs and you will never exhaust the depths of the knowledge of God. And so you and I want to be wise. So how do we do that? We live our lives according to the Bible. Proverbs 12, 23 says, A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. Proverbs 23, 9 says, speak not the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. And so when it comes to foolishness, 
It's a matter of, I know what to do, but I just choose not to do it. Now, Angela and I, when we first got married, we were not walking with Jesus. We didn't even really know what that meant. And a lot of the decisions that we made were made in ignorance. We didn't know any better. I talked to you this morning about buying a car that I could not afford, and I knew for a fact that I couldn't. But I also knew a lot of other people that had gotten themselves into heavy consumer debt, credit card debt, car payments, and things like that. And it always worked out for them. And so I kind of thought to myself, I'll figure it out. Was that willingness rebellion against God and his wisdom? No, it was just a 21-year-old guy making 21-year-old decisions. It was foolishness. I didn't know any better. But then there came a point where Angela and I knew what was right, and we had to make a decision. Will we follow after wisdom, or will we continue in foolishness? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we come to a crossroad. And I have to determine, will I live a life of wisdom or will I live a life of foolishness? I have to make a choice. And so when it comes down to it, it's a matter of what path do I choose? Do I choose a path of wisdom or a path of foolishness? It's really important that we don't confuse wisdom with knowledge or intelligence. About 10 minutes into my message, I realized... I skipped an entire passage of scripture, and the message I was supposed to preach tonight is not what's in my, my Bible. So uh, that's why you don't have slides tonight. So I'm uh, actually, uh, you're, you're one week ahead. How about that? Uh, and so I just figured that out like 30 seconds ago. And so, um, but th- for the first uh, 10 minutes, I'm like super mad at Trey. Like, why are my slides? Why are they not up here? And I realized, actually, it's my fault. Uh, so um, I apologize for that. So I'm, I'll go slow and, and give you the, the things you're supposed to write down to take good notes because I don't have slides for you because it's my fault. Um, we have, it's important that we don't confuse wisdom with knowledge or intelligence. You and I know people that are super duper smart, but they're not walking in wisdom. We know people who are incredibly intelligent, but they're not walking in wisdom. We know people that are super smart, but make foolish decisions every single day Because true wisdom, this is a a good quote to write down, true wisdom is not intellectual, but it's behavioral. True wisdom is not intellectual, it's behavioral. It's not about the way that you think or how smart you are. It's about how you live your life. For example, uh, we look at people like, uh, for example, Bill Gates. I would say probably one of the most intelligent people uh, who's ever lived as far as the things he was able to accomplish with his life. Now, don't get into politics and all the other stuff and the, that he's part of the, the intelligista who's pushing uh, all this other... Non- I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the guy's r- super smart, right? But if you re- read any news headlines last year, he divorced his wife. Why? Because he had been having multiple affairs with coworkers when he was the CEO of Microsoft. So you look at that and go, super smart guy super wealthy guy, one of the wealthiest people in all of American history ever. But you look at how he lived his personal life, you look at that and you go, well, probably not so wise. Take a guy like Jeff Bezos, ridiculously wealthy. So wealthy that he made his own spaceship and went into outer space and came back and wore a cowboy hat and thought he was really cool, right? Meanwhile, he can't pay his warehouse workers a livable wage, but that's beside the point. But you look at that and go, wow, super smart guy, super business savvy, has made billions of dollars out of shipping books out of his garage, also had his marriage fall apart because he was having an affair on his wife, and his wife took 50% of everything that he had. Super smart guy, but definitely not wise. Another guy that you might not have heard about, probably not as famous as those guys, is a guy by the name of Steve Easterbrook. 
who is the McDonald's CEO of all McDonald's, like CEO, top level, was forced to resign two years ago because he had an affair with a coworker, not one coworker, not two coworkers, not three coworkers, but four different subordinates that he had. He had extramarital affairs with them and was forced to resign from his job. Probably a really smart guy when it comes to things of business, but definitely not wise. Big difference. Big disconnect. Yet you have a guy who maybe can't read, never finished high school, works what this world would consider a menial job that might be looked down upon by people, but he loves Jesus and follows the Bible. We can say this guy might not be the smartest guy in the world, but he's definitely wise. And so there's a disconnect here, and James points that out for us. Hey, be sure to notice that the guy among you who is endued with wisdom, his lifestyle will back up the fact that he is wise. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 28, even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Proverbs 17, 24 says that wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. So the Bible tells us that the wise man is the guy who knows how to speak and when to keep his mouth shut. (laughs) And Proverbs, I love Proverbs because it's so practical, so applicable, and it's so true. That even the fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, appears wise. Have you ever been in a conversation where you have no idea what people are talking about? And you're just like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Have you ever done that before? And you're like, I have absolutely no idea what these people are talking about. And people look at you and they go, wow, I didn't know that this guy knew so much about, uh, you know, micromolecular biology as he does. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. Even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, is considered wise. But here's the thing. When you start running your mouth and blabbing off, everybody knows that you're a fool. When you start talking about things that, first of all, you don't know about, or second of all, you shouldn't be talking about, or third of all, that that go against wisdom, you have completely and totally shown everyone that you are a fool. We have uh, men's events uh, here at Huey College from time to time, and this one instance, I've, I've told the story many times, but it, it struck me as obviously someone who professed their foolishness. A group of us guys uh, were sitting at a table. We were eating at our men's leadership group, and, and we had probably 60 guys or so that are in a room having a meal together. And I'm sitting with one of the newer guys trying to get him connected to other people in the, the church and stuff like that. And so we're sitting down, and we start talking. And I ask this guy what kind of work he does. He tells me, and says, he used to, to work in the, we used to be in the Army, and so connecting with some other army guys and stuff like that. And so we're talking around the table, and he says uh, uh, to one of our guys, he's like, he's like, well, what branch of the military are you in? And the guy goes, he's I'm the Air Force. And, he, and this guy, married guy, uh, probably in his 50s or so, talking with a bunch of other guys that he knows are married because we're all wearing wedding bands and talking about our wives. He says to this group of guys, he was like, Air Force, man, Air Force has got the finest women, I tell you. And it's just like, okay. And like you see guys like start taking bites of their food and putting their head down. And I, of course, I'm the pastor, so I'm supposed to have the answer to something like that, right? Uh, 
that, you know, I don't think a lot of us have chased women in the Air Force lately because uh, we're kind of happily married. Oh, yeah, 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 me too, me too. Right. And everybody at the table got a sense in that moment, this is a guy that probably doesn't rank really high on the wisdom scale, right? But here's the thing. He was just talking about what, what he knew. And here's the thing. That showed the guys at that table, hey, we're not trying to be those kind of guys. And if you're looking for an audience where we're going to talk about other women, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree because we don't do that type of stuff here. Now, did we make fun of the guy and mock him and tell him to go get a different church and tell stories about him later? No. You know what we did? We said, hey, I think it'd be really good for you to go through discipleship. Discipleship teaches you how to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to link you up with another solid dude in our church that loves Jesus, who's going to be able to help walk you through that process of being a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Because, hey, you need discipleship. Here's the, the great thing about the Bible that tells us in the book of Proverbs, that a fool can become wise. That if you've done foolish things in your life, you've lived foolishly, you've adopted a foolish mindset, you, there is hope for you. And the hope is the truth of God's word. Live according to this book and you too can be wise. And so as we look at wisdom, wisdom isn't a matter of how smart we are, it's how we live our lives. A wise person will walk circumspectly I love the word Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 5, the only place in the Bible that the word is used. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. When you're in the military, they teach you something called situational awareness. It means you're always on the lookout for everything that's taking place around you. You might be standing here talking to this person, but you're watching 180 degrees both directions, and you're listening for what's behind you. And if you hear something crack behind you, you immediately stop and turn around and look at what you're looking at, but you never take your eyes off this person while you're doing that, right? Situational awareness. My wife and I, we walk sometimes to, to the mall, walking on the sidewalk here, you hear footsteps behind you. I immediately, always, turn around and watch to see who's behind me. If it's some little kid walking his bicycle, that's fine. If it's somebody looks sketchy, I'm going to stop. We're going to back up against this wall, and you're welcome to walk past us, but you're not going to continue to stand behind us and make weird noises and breathe on the back of my neck. Just not going to do it, right? Why? Situational awareness. We were, uh, my wife and I, uh, two summers ago, had the opportunity to go to Paris, and we went to the Eiffel Tower. Uh, if you've never been to the Eiffel Tower in Paris, it is an absolute chaotic event of people everywhere trying to sell you everything under the sun everybody trying to sell you cigars and bottles of wine and flowers and don't you want to buy your girl a bottle of wine don't you want to buy your girl some flowers uh, don't you want me to, to take your picture no leave me alone i want to enjoy this i've just seen it on postcards for my entire life just leave me alone and so anyways we're, we're done at the eiffel tower done the whole crazy touristy thing that's going on and we're walking back and there's a group of teenagers that walk past us and then they circle back behind us and start walking behind us. And Angela goes, did you see that? I go, I totally saw that. And she was just like, she was like, lean up against the wall. And before I could, somebody was sticking their hand in my back pocket. But what they didn't know was that the shorts, I didn't pack shorts because I was an idiot. Uh, and so I went to the store to get shorts. And the only thing that they would sell uh, in the middle of summer there, which was like in the, the 40s over there, was swim trunks. 
And so I had bought a pair of swim trunks that I was wearing that happened to have a zipper pocket on it. And so my wallet was in my pocket with a zipper. And so these people who walked behind us tried to grab my wallet out of my zipper pocket. And there's a dang of about six of them. And so if they'd gotten it, they would have tossed it and been totally gone. But my wife said, hey, back up against the wall because something's not right. So I'll walk past and come back around and loop back around. And before I could even back up against the wall, somebody tried to take my wallet. What was that? That was walking circumspectly. And I started shouting, hey, we got a group of pickpockets. Watch your purses. And they, and they booked it and got out of there. But I let everybody know, hey, look, these people are looking to do you harm. Be- why? Because you know what the majority of people do with the Eiffel Tower? Oh, wow. Oh, let's take a picture. Oh, wow. That, ooh, look at that over there. Oh, and stop and look and, and things like that. And easy, easy prey. But two people who have had stuff stolen from them before will walk, here's the Bible word for you, circumspectly with situational awareness. I see what's going on. I'm paying attention to what's going on. It might be nothing, but I'm going to keep my eye on that. That's what Paul means when he tells the church at Ephesus to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You need to be well aware of everything that's going on around you and how that might impact you and your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And so when we walk through life, we just don't take things for face value. We walk circumspectly. You get a message on social media from somebody that you don't know saying, oh, I like your pictures. We should totally hook up. (laughs) Red light. Nope. This is a scam. It's a setup. Or some 60-year-old dude sitting in his underwear in a basement somewhere. Like, no, 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 no. I'm going to run from that. And let me just help you with this. You know, talk about being wise. Anytime, anytime I ever get unsolicited text messages, unsolicited social media messages, things that might be borderline inappropriate, I never delete it. I always take it to my wife and say, hey, I just want you to see this. This came in. I'm getting ready to delete this and block this, but I wanted to let you know. Because I don't want her to pick up my phone one day and go through all my blocked messages and find out that I blocked 20 girls that sent me inappropriate photos and be like, what's up with this? I don't know. I just blocked it. No, I want to walk circumspectly in wisdom. And I'm encouraging you, if you want to be wise, you'll walk according to the scriptures and you'll be on the lookout with your head on a swivel for things that are looking to take you down. I mentioned in the 8 o'clock service, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have the mental capacity to mention it in the 10 o'clock service, but I, I said in the 8 o'clock service, that we give the devil way too much credit for trying to ruin our lives, our number one enemy is ourself. That's why Jeremiah tells us, your heart is deceitfully wicked. You don't even know the depths of how bad your heart truly is. And so we think to ourselves like, oh man, the devil's got my number. No, your heart wouldn't let you get out of bed and read the Bible today. Oh, the devil, he's just after me this week. No, he's not. You spend far too much time on social media. Oh, the devil's really after me. No, he's not. You're the one who gets on the internet and gossips about everything under the sun. Knock it off. Your heart is the problem. And if I'm going to walk circumspectly, will the devil come for me for sure? But just know this, I come for me before the devil comes for me every day. I have to guard against my own selfishness, my own pride, my own desire to get what I want from life. And so be careful that you don't give the devil too much credit and that you walk circumspectly as wise. 
You see, a wise man sees life through a biblical lens. I see everything the way that the Bible explains it for me. I don't see things for, quote, what they are. It's fascinating to me, the majority of the stuff that I see on social media, that I know the truth behind it. It's just, you cannot trust the majority of things that you see on Instagram. You just can't. You can't trust the majority of things you see on social media. And again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so please just take this with a grain of salt, okay? Because I'm not, I'm not some, again, weird, wacko, nut job. But the, you can't believe the majority of things you read in the, quote, news. Like, I don't even know if this is true or not. Angela and I watched a documentary over Christmas about this family who was supposedly like the golden standard of, of you know, uh, adoption and family and all, oneness and all this other stuff. And come to find out there's tons of abuse that was taking place behind the scenes that nobody knew anything about. They got discovered, like... And all the online persona was 100% fake. And so again, we've got to be really, really careful that we see things not through the lens that the world wants to paint for us, but for what they really are. Look, when I see some guy who is chasing a, a brand new Range Rover and wants to, to, to dress in you know, five $6,000 suits and wear a $25,000 wristwatch, I don't look at someone who I deem successful. I look at someone who is broken and looking to fill something that's broken inside. You say, well, that's awfully judgmental. I'm, I'm just looking at things through a biblical lens. Those things don't say success to me. When I see a man at the playground with his kid, taking his kid down the slide and give him a hug and tell him that he loves him, I look at that and I say, that's successful. When I, when I see men in our church this past Wednesday night bringing their kids to church and dropping them off at Awana because the mom was sick, I look at that and I say, that's successful right there. You know why? Because the majority of guys would be like, oh, sweetheart, you got a stomachache? Yeah, I was kind of, uh, I think I have a little bit of uh, uh, a, a sore throat. Yeah, sore throat. I think I'll stay home too. We'll put the kids to bed early and you and I can go to bed early. No, this guy said, okay, sweetheart, you stay home. I'm going to round the kids up and take them to church. I love that. That's success in my book. Success doesn't come from a paycheck or money or, or what you buy and things like that. I saw a guy at the mall the other day buy an $8,000 suitcase. And I thought to myself, I don't know if you've ever seen how the airline handles luggage or not, but like, there's no way you would fly with something like that. I can't fathom that. But I didn't say to myself like, wow, $8,000 suitcase, what a baller. I thought to myself, what are you thinking, dude? Like, TJ Maxx has got tons of luggage. Like, <laughs> tons. And if you're lucky, you might be able to get a Samsonite. Like, it'll have like a big black mark through the label, but it'll be a Samsonite, right? But again, the world has its lens of success, but God also has its lens of success. God's lens of success is obedience to the word. That's wisdom. That's success. Success is not how much money you make, the position you have, a title that you've been given, what type of, what's your highest level of education that you have, and all the other nonsense that the world has as far as mile markers for success. Success, according to God, is obedience to his word and walking in wisdom. Did you know that there's only one place in the entire Bible that the word success is found? Only one. It's in the book of Joshua, chapter number one, where God says, if you do what I say, and obey my word, you will have success. Now again, people have twisted that word success to make it mean you're gonna get a new car, or get a new house, or 
They're going to get all the things that your heart desires. But it's interesting that the only place that God uses the word success is when it comes in obedience to his word. Because that's God's standard for whether or not you've made it. God looks at people who have been incredibly successful in business and have torpedoed their family as failures, fools. People who would mock other Christians, he sees them as scorners. God's got a category for these types of people. And he wants us to be wise. Look, if there's one thing that I want for you as a Christian, it's my job as your pastor to help you prepare to stand before God one day and to do it with joy. That you're thankful to be able to stand before God in the way that you lived your life and the way that you invested what you had. That's my job as a pastor to prepare you for that. But more than that, before you ever get to that day, my job as a pastor is to help you to walk in wisdom. That you don't have to call me every two or three days to say, hey, pastor, I got this situation. What do you think about it? You already know because you spent so much time in the word. You spent so much time with wise Christians. You just automatically know what to do. And so it's my job to help you to be a discerning Christian, to be able to to discern truth from error, right from wrong, good from evil. What the world says is success and what the Bible says is success. And so we need to view wisdom through a biblical lens. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 15 says, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man, prudent man, that's wise, looketh well to his going. The simple believeth every word. And let me just tell you this. As a Christian, everything that you hear from this pulpit and any other pulpit that you sit under, you need to be able to verify it from the Bible. This pulpit included. The worst thing in the world that you can say is I believe it so because my pastor said so. Uh Uh-uh. You say, well, isn't that a good thing? That's a terrible thing. The Bible says the simple believes every word. And look, the people who believe everything that their pastor tells them, that's how cults get started. Think about it. Oh, man, we're tired of this, living this way. We want to be Christians. We're going to go get us a piece of land in Colombia. Great, great idea. The Lord gave me a vision. He did. We want to get on board with the vision that he's given to our pastor. That's how they start cults. No lie. So you need to be able to come back and say, hey, what does the Bible say about that? Because the simple believes every word, but the wise man, the Bible says, looks well to his going. And so when we grow in wisdom, this is really important. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. When we grow in wisdom, we should ask less the question, is this right or wrong? When we grow in wisdom, we should ask less Is this right or wrong? And we should ask more, is this wise or unwise? That's the question that we should be asking. So, let's just take for example. Is it wrong for you to go to a restaurant with a bunch of unsaved friends with filthy mouths talking about terrible sin that they're involved in. You know that there'll be alcohol there, but you choose not to drink. Would it be wrong for you to go? Mm, You might be able to pull some Bible verses to say, yeah, it would totally be wrong. Or you might be able to say, "Ah, 
I, I don't see anything wrong with it as long as I'm not using ugly language, as long as I'm not talking about or glorifying sin, as long as I'm not drinking alcohol, I don't think there would be a problem with that. Okay, maybe it's not wrong per se, but the question then becomes, is it wise? I think you'd have a really hard time saying that that is the wise thing to do. Now again, if you just want to do what you want to do and be a fool, you can come up with excuses. Well, didn't Jesus dine with sinners? He did, but he didn't do it for entertainment purposes. Think about that. Jesus never went and hung out with sinners because those were his people. That was his crew. They really got him. They understood him more than his church crowd did. No, Jesus hung out with hypocrites and sinners to draw them to himself. And so, hey, if you're going out and hang out with your friends for a purpose to win them to Christ... I'll give you a pass once, but it's not your every Friday night thing. Every Friday night, I'm trying to win them to Christ between beers before they get too drunk. Yeah, it's probably not wise. Let me ask you this. If one of the people from our church was going to pick up their breadsticks from Olive Garden, glory, I'm so thankful we have an Olive Garden for breadsticks now. Somebody's going to get their breadsticks at Olive Garden, and they happen to walk by and you're sitting at the table with three other people, and there's a pitcher of beer sitting in the middle of the table at the Mai Tai bar. Is that a wise place for you to be when other Christians that you know could be walking past and see that? I would venture to say that's probably not wise at all. What if one of our children's ministry workers happens to be sitting at one of those tables and you think to yourself, wait, these are the people that I drop my kids off with on Sunday morning? And you might say, well, pastor, I wasn't drinking. It's incredibly unwise, I think. So again, I'm talking about growth. Now, again, if you're a new Christian just trying to get things rolling, you're going to have to just do your best as you get through. But I'm talking about when you decide you want to walk in wisdom. You want to live a life that God approves. That God puts his stamp of approval on. Will I continue in this or will I not? The, the gym that we go to for a long time, uh, there the uh, coach at the, the gym would, have, would, would play music that did not have cursing in it because she knew that I was a Christian. Well, she left and they got a different coach that came in and basically started playing some music. And I said, hey, if you could like not because I'm a Christian. And he says, oh man, sorry about that. No problem. And had a lot of respect for that. Then fast forward, we come back from uh, not being able to work out there for a long time because of the pandemic. We go back and there's a guy who doesn't know me and basically doesn't give a rip about me or anything else and begins to play music that is not just inappropriate it's downright foul disgusting filthy nasty and and trey is just like I, I, i'm not doing this and so trey went and asked him to change the music and he said he would and then i, I called the owner and says hey look you know i I just can't continue to do this. He says, oh, I'm really sorry that happened. I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, guess what? No problem. But here's the thing. Well, is it wrong to go to the gym where they play music that, where there's cussing? Is it wrong? <sighs> maybe, maybe not. Is it wise? No way, no how. Never. Under any circumstances whatsoever. And so then we cross over into, and again, we might be splitting hairs at this point, but again, I'm just trying to help you to be discerning. If we're commanded to walk in wisdom, that's a commandment, and we choose to walk in foolishness, is walking in foolishness a sin? 
I, my opinion, my interpretation of the scriptures, I'll preface it with that. My interpretation of scriptures is if you choose to walk in foolishness when you've been commanded to walk in wisdom, it is a sin. That's just the way I see scripture. And if you see it differently, I would love to talk and hear your thoughts on that. And again, we're not talking about like, oh, I didn't know that was a big deal. I didn't even think about it. I mean, I'm around cussing all the day at work. Like, I didn't think twice about it. That would be simple. You, don't, you, you didn't see it that way. You didn't process it like that. There's been so many times I've con- confronted people on, on sin, and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about that. Like, I, I didn't see it that way. Man, would you forgive me? That's just being simple, what the Bible says. Foolish is when I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I choose to do it anyways. I know what I'm doing is unwise, but I choose to do it anyways. And so as we mature in Christ-likeness, as we grow in sanctification, the question is less, is this right or wrong? Because those things are black and white. The question is, is this wise or unwise? And again, I mentioned last week or the week before last that when it comes to things like alcohol, you might be able to, if you just look at what the Bible has to say about alcohol, you cannot make the case that it's okay for Christians to drink alcohol. I, I just don't buy it. And even if you could, and I've heard some really, really flimsy arguments on the ways that people could say it's okay for Christians to drink alcohol but not be drunk, I would then ask the second question, follow on to that, is it wise for a Christian to drink alcohol? And you cannot make a case for the fact that it is wise. You just can't. It just doesn't add up. So again, as we mature in Christ's likeness, we should ask less and less, is this right or wrong? Or is this wise or unwise? Television shows that you watch, you might say, well, there's nothing like super bad. And I mean, like, they don't use curse words, but I mean, you know, hey, is it wise or unwise? You're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm just going to use this as an example. You watch a television show that's one of those fixer-upper TV shows where people in the middle of Iowa buy a house for $60,000, and you're like, what? Can you buy an outhouse for $60,000? People do. Buy a house for $60,000, we're going to gut it and renovate it and, and redo it. We're going to have an open floor plan and all this other stuff, and uh, the whole thing gets buttoned up in, in 30 minutes or less, right? It's one of those kind of shows. You look at that and you go, no cushion, no sinful things in there and stuff like that. Is there anything wrong with that? Maybe not. Unless you think to yourself, why can't I have a house like that? Why can't I get stuff like that? Why do I have to live in this crummy apartment in the middle of this crummy town? Why couldn't I just move to Iowa? There's like a dog running down the street by itself off a leash. Like, I want that in my life, right? And like, I'm watching this next show in North Carolina. And some lady sells blankets on Etsy and she made, and her budget's $500,000 for a house. How does that happen? I don't know. But if I can make $500,000 selling blankets on Etsy in North Carolina, like, why wouldn't I want to do that, right? And you flip the channel and it's just like, well, why can't my husband lay laminate floors like that? It's not that hard. Just clicking stuff together. Like this guy, I can't get him to vacuum the floor, much less put together laminate floors. And you say, Pastor, that's crazy talk. I'm talking about a world that has set you up for discontentment with what God's given you. Does that make sense? And you might take something that's not sinful on the surface, but it's just not wise. Careful 
with that. Final thought tonight. Wisdom comes with humility. Again, if we take a look at verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Here's what that means. The wiser that you get, the more you recognize your need for more wisdom. Hey, look, when I was 20 and 21 years old, I knew it all. I was smarter than everybody else. I was wiser than everybody else. My wife and I got married when I was 21. Like, I thought, like, premarital counseling, how hard is it? Like, two people love each other. They live in the same house together. I pay the bills. Like, how hard can it really be? And he realized about 90 days in, okay, there's a lot of stuff I didn't really think about, right? Like, when my wife and I moved in together, after we got married, I had this glorious beanbag in my house as a bachelor. And it was, like, big enough to, like, fit two people on, like, huge beanbag. Because first of all, I was a bachelor, second of all, I was broke, and so that was my furniture that I had in my living room. And so when she came over, she was clearing stuff out, and she was like, okay, the beanbag is going to the garbage. I was like, whoa, 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 I've already said that you can get rid of my table and chairs, but like, my beanbag is like, I said, I like sit on my beanbag when I play video games. She goes, yeah, that's the other thing, your PlayStation's going too. What? What? Like, and so in a matter of less than 60 seconds, I lost my beanbag and my PlayStation? Okay, I wasn't prepared for this at all, right? But again, at 21, I think I've got it all figured out, right? And you start to have kids, and you think, like, wow, how hard can it be? You keep a human alive for 18 years. Like, how hard is it, right? And you realize, wait a minute, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. And as you progress in wisdom, notice I did not say age. As you progress in wisdom, you realize, I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think I know what I'm doing. I remember Thatcher, who's 27 now, had come home from high school and was talking to me about his consumer math class. And he was like, yeah, they were talking about debit cards and how debit cards get you into debt. And I was like, what? You know, like debit cards get you, no, 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 you misunderstood. Credit cards get you into debt. Debit cards is the money that you already have. He goes, no, it's backwards. <laughs> no, it's not. And I remember having an argument in the car with him about that, and I said, what are they teaching you in school? Like, I need to go find this teacher and say, what are you teaching this kid? And then it dawned on me. I have a 16-year-old who's my son that doesn't know the difference between a debit card and a credit card. That's not a failure of the school system. That's a failure of a parent. And I realized, oh, my goodness. Okay, son, let's go home. <laughs> we talked about checking accounts and check registers and debit cards and credit cards and building credit and, and all that other stuff, interest rates, and we enrolled them in Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. Like, dude. I realized at that point, I don't have all the answers. And I began a quest for more wisdom. And so with wisdom, the Bible says here in verse number 13, comes humility meekness that word meekness means humility and wisdom that as you begin to get older and wiser you begin to realize you don't have all the answers and you need more wisdom but here's the awesome thing you don't have to wait until you're old to be wise you know why because there's 60 70 80 year old men that are fools there's 70 year old women that show up to church every sunday that are fools 
You could be 22 years old and wise as can be. Because it's not based on age, it's based on obedience. It's based on your behavior, not your intellect. It's not based on where you went to college, how smart you were, what you studied. It comes down to, are you willing to obey the Bible and view things from a biblical perspective? <laughs> it's funny this morning, uh, as I was, I was talking in the uh, morning service, at the 10 o'clock service, I said, how many of you would say, you know, hey, I'm not probably not the smartest person in the room, but I'm not the dumbest. Like, you, you put yourself, like, in the, in the middle of the tier there. And I saw a guy over here who was probably in his late 50s was going like that. No, no, no. Because he realized, I don't have all the answers. And I've been around long enough, and I've made enough mistakes in my life to realize, I don't know what I'm doing. And so, I need wisdom. And so, with wisdom comes Humility. Wisdom is one of those things that you don't have to brag about having. It shows. <laughs> you know, nobody wears a badge that says, I am wise. <laughs> when you think about it, like, people put on their, their bumpers of their cars, you know, my kid's an honor student at, you know, such and such elementary school, or they put the college they graduated from, or my kid is in the United States Naval Academy. You never see somebody with a sticker on the back that just says, Wisdom. You're like, oh, that guy's got it, right? Hey. Man, I saw a Tesla parked in the EV parking the other day. Had a big sticker on the back and said, wisdom. <laughs> wow, I'd love to meet that guy, right? No, nobody says that. You know why? Because verse 13 says it. Wisdom is proven by a lifestyle that backs it up. Mm-hmm. I can tell if men are wise or fools by the way that they treat their wives. Just like that. I can tell whether someone's wise or a fool by the way that they interact with other people. I can tell whether someone's a wise person or a fool by looking at the way that they spend their money. Easy, easy. Because it's what the Bible says. Wisdom is a reflection of the way that you live our lives. So, Live a life of wisdom? What is, if someone were to watch your life over the next seven days, would they see wisdom or would they see foolishness? So, well, it's probably 50-50. <laughs> well, let's get a better percentage than 50% wise and 50% fool. You might be saying, hey, I'm new to this whole Christianity thing. I'm just trying to get my feet underneath me. Awesome. We will put you in the simple category where you need to grow. You know what the, the Bible says? The simple can become wise just by spending time with wise people. And so if you're simple, I would encourage you to find a small group to be a part of, connect with other Christians, spend time with them, ask lots of questions, become wise. I really hope, I, I don't know of anybody in our church, honestly, who would be in the category of scorner, But if that's you where you absolutely hate wisdom and just the idea of following the Bible just gets under your skin, please understand you put yourself in a dangerous position. Repent of it. Whatever's gotten you that way or messed up your heart, would you fix it before God and seek to live a wise life that honors the Lord? Again, doesn't mean you always be the smartest person. I remember we were homeschooling. My son Vanderlei had pre-algebra. He's bringing me a question like, Dad, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> me neither, dude. <laughs> me neither. 
dude, I don't know how parents or homeschool parents did like math before Khan Academy and YouTube. Like I really have no idea because like I watched a lot of YouTube videos. And I'm still confused. I'm still confused. But you know what? Whether or not I'm wise in God's eyes doesn't matter if I can figure out X, solve for X. And let me just tell you, nobody does that kind of stuff in real life. It's just a way for education systems to make money and, and milk people. <laughs> nobody solves for X in life, right? Just saying. Those of you kids that are in, in school, you didn't hear that. Your pastor <laughs> didn't say that. I value education. I value knowledge. <laughs> really. You got a degree in biomechanical engineering? I bet that was really hard. But I'm not overly impressed by that. I know a lot of really smart people. I really do. I know a lot of smart, smart people that attend our church. Like smart, smart. Like will like blow your hair back smart. But I know a lot of people who barely finished high school that are like ultra wise. And when I got like life problems, I don't go to the people that are ultra smart. I go to the people that are ultra wise. Might not be the most uh, polished people in the world, but they know God's word, they love God's word, and they live by God's word. That's the type of people I want to be around. And I want to encourage you to be that type of person as well. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.